dream, we a 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 dream, 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 Hello and welcome to the Dreamweaver podcast, the Sigourney Weaver podcast that you did not know you needed. I am always am your favorite co-host, Ben Bear, and joining me to my left we have. Haha, it's funny because we're recording in trying different to places, think of who so you don't know who's on my left. Closest to your left depends on which way you're facing. Uh, technically, with the way that I'm facing right now, both of you are behind me. Well, yep. I am Olivia Beatty. There you go. Somewhere behind Ben. <laughs> yep. I've turned my back on the both of you, literally and figuratively. Wow. Gruff Scruggins, country music critic. What? <laughs> you heard me. Is this a new bit you're trying out? Nope. Be gone. Completely. Yeah, I banished thee. Sorry, Gruff. Can you get John in here? <laughs> he must yep. have just walked out of the room. Hi, Gruff. One sec. I noticed there? we're never in the same room at the same time. It's very wow. strange. <laughs> Very weird. What a what a weird huh. situation that must be. Who the Hey, who'da John thought? Gender here. I am. Uh, oh, thank yeah. God. Yeah. Some mm. weirdo was in here. Oh, you mean Gruff? Who is Gruff? He's a, a country very music critic. Similar voice to yours. <laughs> yeah, almost identical, except almost. Gruff has a a hint of a southern accent. It's really the subtlety that gets you, isn't it? No, it's there's nothing good. subtle about Gruff. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, what is this? What is this show oh, that we are doing are right we now? Doing? What are we doing, John? Well, this on the Dreamweaver podcast, uh, what we do is we watch every movie that Sigourney Weaver has ever been in, in chronological order, and uh, we talk about those movies. We, Why on earth would we be doing that? Uh, because she is a fucking godsend, Benjamin. Well, yes, we all know <laughs> that, but are we, say, attempting to accomplish anything? Yeah, so what we're setting out to do Completely is not. we are creating the definitive <laughs> list of which Sigourney movie or Sigourney movies you should be watching. Uh, There's only uh, one which Sigourney <laughs> Weaver movie, and we watched it a couple we weeks ago. Did. That was, <laughs> And you so shouldn't you watch it. You didn't even want to watch it. <laughs> and you should not watch it. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Don't, so here's no, the thing is we're it. putting all of these movies into so we're taking them from chronological order and we're putting them in order of which ones are best. Yes. And then best. we are going to meet Sigourney and we're going to commend her for her wonderful wonderful career and mm. maybe um you know confront uh, her about some of the better ones. I mean maybe yeah. you will. I'm going to be too starstruck to do that, but We could also ask her for her definitive list, her mm. ranking, how she sees herself. Yes, and then tell her why she's wrong. <laughs> and then we can yeah inform her that she is wrong. Is <laughs> Company Man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the movie we watched today, Company Man. It, it Ooh, what a nice have, segue! Thank you. You don't wow. compliment me enough on my segues. I mean, I think I had more to do with that than you. <laughs> it was, you know what? It it it, 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 it was, was teamwork. It was teamwork. Sure. <laughs> Team effort. Good job. Team effort. Go team. We got there. Olivia was the setter there, and Ben, you really spiked at home. I, I'm very pew. good at spiking. That's really what I do. Doink. Um, that's what spiking sounds that's like. That's what... <laughs> doink. 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 <laughs> it's a very sad noise. Yeah. But doink. Uh, let's say we just jump headlong into this one, huh? Ooh, what did we watch today? Use twos. Company Man, 
perhaps it is Sigourney's favorite movie. We don't know. But <laughs> it was not my favorite movie, but we did watch it today. I watched it today. Well, thanks for that succinct review. Uh, that's it for the Dreamweaver podcast. <laughs> Tune in next time to figure out if Olivia <laughs> liked the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to say I didn't. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I can we tell don't know you exactly why she keeps watching it. them, but she I hates like all it. of them. I don't know why she agreed to do this podcast. Well, according to Ben, we should just quit. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this not one, to you know, tip my not, hand a little guys, bit, but this not till we get to Cabin in the Woods. I can't wait to watch that movie again. I haven't so seen far that away. Either. And it's also very far away. No, no, no. We've but no, we've been making such fast progress. No. I mean, I don't think we have ahead of us. I do not have high hopes for the next four movies hmm. until Holes. 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 Dig it out. Uh, uh. Anyway, but we're not here to talk about we're any not. of those. Company man. Are we? We're here to talk Le about Chef. the 2000 not, film Company Man. Not to be confused with. The company men. Right. What Google and Netflix thought I was constantly exactly. searching for. Like, they were Do like, you want to watch the company men? I'm like, no. no. I and then you were like, don't. no, I want to watch company man. And they, they were both like, like, are you sure? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yes. Why are you asking? And then but I was like, you? oh, no, I want to watch the company men. <laughs> uh, the company man is a 2000 uh, comedy movie written, directed, and starring the same man, Douglas McGrath. Um, and I don't know about y'all, but when I see written, directed, and starring by the same person, I take a second. That's a that's, that's a, a bad, bad sign. sign. Yeah, but sometimes you're like, but he got Sigourney Weaver. That's uh, that's it. So like he sure. So shortly before this movie, he had some a couple of big. Successes. She hit him with her car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we're we're gonna get to something that is not entirely far off from. Uh, where you're going, uh, oh, but like before, so she was this, blackmailed into this. Uh, almost, not her, someone else. Uh, Douglas oh McGrath. He had a couple successes in the mid '90s with Emma, a Jane Austen adaptation, and Bullets Over Broadway. I liked and Emma. So I that guess he, yeah, 1997's Emma. He wrote that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, was nominated for a Writers Guild of America award for it. Apparently, well, so Emma. Me I'm saying Merma. Flimma. Gem Gemma. About a, a <laughs> Flimma, about a young Victorian girl <laughs> who needs to clear her throat. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so well. I guess Douglas McGrath built up a lot of sort of Hollywood goodwill uh, and cashed in all of them to make his true passion project a farce, question mark, yeah. um, sort of based on some somewhat true kind of maybe actually happened stories uh, regarding the CIA and uh, the Cuban revolution in the 1959. I love how it came up and said, based on some true events. And you know, <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, so is everything. There are hints of truth here and there. We can get to that later, but you know. Yep. Um, let's just jump straight into it, shall we? I feel like I said that like a lot 20 today. Minutes ago. <laughs> uh, so we start off with a bad cover which, of a good would. song. Um, oh, oh God. God, it was terrible. That was... I thought, okay, what was the song? I don't... The song was Secret, Secret Agent, Agent Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Originally by someone, I don't know, someone with <laughs> someone a good better. singer. 
but it's covered in like we By the really wiggles. see it we just hear not even man the wiggles are how dare you <laughs> you put some respect on on their names like, like come on man um i thought we were gonna get like a scene under the opening credits because they there's dialogue like there's somebody's introducing like a live concert yeah and then they start like, playing the song and then nothing happens it's just like a red and black background over the the opening credits right we get audio from some sort of fictitious like american bandstand type show and yeah, yeah it's just like like it's almost like the opening credits of monty python and the holy grail where it's just solid colors and names but yeah. whereas in monty python that was a joke here it just seems to be like well we gotta do credits somehow it was kind of hard to look at yeah after, it was not after one eyes. or two slides i was like oh my eyes i had to look away I chose not to watch. So if you do credits bad, <laughs> what hope does that give you for the rest of the film? Well, it's definitely a discredit to the movie. Ah, ah, <laughs> hey. ah, God, that was so, so yuck, funny. Yuck, 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 yuck. That was so funny. I just want to go up to the roof of my apartment building and jump Throw off myself it. off. Wow. <laughs> All right. I'm going to need the two of you to calm down a little bit. Have you ever had something so funny happen, Ben, that you just wanted to drown yourself in the nearest lake? Just die. No. God, you two need... <laughs> All right. But now I kind of <laughs> want to. Wow. This is fun. <laughs> that joke that you just told was so funny. I'm just going to go walk. I live pretty close to a lake. Thank you very much. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know. Um, Not to brag about it, but you know. <laughs> not to brag about my lake proximity. <laughs> <laughs> I but was just down by very there a large. couple hours ago. Thank you very much. It's one I of the biggest in the country. I would argue that I live the, the closest. You yeah, do, it's a pretty great lake. Wow. Uh, thank you for making me not have the worst joke of the podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway. I thought I'd take that, that burden <laughs> off of you. After those dull, dull credits, uh, so dull. we find ourselves in a secret Senate committee hearing uh, where the head of the CIA, I think it was supposed to be, but I don't think it was J. Edgar Hoover, uh, was... He was the head of the FBI. Oh, you're right. Oh, I'm a dummy. Uh, (laughs) Anyhow, the head of the CIA and a couple other people are being questioned by senators about the failed uh, Bay of Pigs invasion, which is, I guess, one of the true events that this is somewhat kind of not really based on. Um, And the senator, played by uh, an actual human monster that we don't need to get into, um, so they're inquiring after what went down at the the failed Bay of Pigs invasion, and they, they are saying there's only one person who really knows what happened. And that is a lie, as we will later come to find out. But I just want to—I just want to put this in the listener's ear right now that we are told there is one person who knows what happened to the Bay of Pigs, and it's our hero, um, Agent Officer Alan Quimp. Uh, and boy, just from the get-go, he's a real goofball. How would y'all describe this guy? Annoying. All right, that's a good start, John. What do you have? It's just completely lacking self-awareness. All right, that's a good one, yeah. And annoying? Sure. I would say, like, he's got a certain Will Forte-ness to him, maybe. Yeah, like an off-brand. Right. If he had a much larger forehead and no charm at all. (laughs) Yeah. If if Will Forte took a not funny pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Ah, really? If Will Forte got really into correcting people's God. grammar, right? But if Will Forte 
uh, got hit on the head and woke up not knowing what comedy was. Yeah, I can see that. You could see that happening? No. <laughs> Basically, we get, I don't know, this hearing starts and there mm-hmm. are these flashbacks. And all I could think of with the, over, like, the first five minutes of the movie is that I was like, are we really going to be doing this the whole movie? Like, are we just going to be hearing, like, listening to this hearing? the whole movie and uh, fortunately we're not really though yeah it doesn't come up as as often as i thought it was going to at the right from, from the sense i got at the beginning of the movie but man uh, this his name is alan alan quimp um quimp. yeah i just really didn't like listening or watching him at all well, <laughs> let me tell you, he is a real goofball, and he is all the movie. And he is all over this movie, because he, he, he is the main character. He is the titular company man. Ah. Um, the senators ask him what his expertise is, and he responds, grammar. He was, uh, before joining the CIA, he was like a high school English teacher, who also did sometimes driver's ed and he says quote a country that understands the proper use of objective pronouns is a country with the proper objectives um which is the first sign that sort of this movie is really going downhill um, mm-hmm. and I sort mean, of do you think that because prescriptivist Askin language or, is not the way to be or sure. douglas mcgrath they themselves are just grammar nuts and they basically decided to make this movie just for that because uh, it seemed not implausible. <laughs> I think I think this is just a, the situation a situation where someone went all in on a joke and it didn't pay off. <laughs> like any of the times that it appears it in the movie, which right. is many times, which is too many times. Good God, so nobody times. likes it no. when you correct their grammar. So it's like the least relatable joke. So it's definitely f- what you're saying is it's very funny to watch happen um, eight or nine, nine times over the course of an hour and a half. Eight or nine times. Eight yes. or nine times. <laughs> I mean, it, like eight or nine times. Like, but each one of those times has like ten sub times. Yes. Right. It essentially yes. comprises. He's like a pit bull of, of the English language. And sometimes like, they're wrong, right? No. He's, so wait, he's the pit bull of the English language and that he uses a lot of air horns and a lot of sort of Caribbean <laughs> and Latin yep. influence sounds. Yep, that's what I meant. Okay. Yep. Uh, he, he collaborates with Kesha a lot. Um, <laughs> that to correct people's grammar. If Kesha so had been in this movie, so how much, much better, better would it have been? So, so like much a thousand well, times better? Let me tell you, someone yes. would have brushed their teeth with a bottle of Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh one of my friends in college gave someone else a bottle of Jack Daniels that was full of toothpaste. Oh! <laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> so so they much could toothpaste. brush their teeth with a bottle of Jack. That's gross. That's not How a did they joke. get it out? They just had to dip their toothbrush in it. <clears throat> oh. That's terrible. Yeah. That's funny. Um, Kesha oh, was real big when I was in school. Yeah. The senators start asking Agent Officer Quimp about his involvement and how he got started with the CIA. And it all starts at dinner <coughs> with his wife. Daisy. Beow, 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 beow. Sigourney Weaver. Uh, they are at the country club and Sigourney is just comparing herself uh, to all the other women in the room and all the fancy things that they have. And she doesn't. And just sort of generally talking with her mouth full. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all noticed that, but I definitely did a lot. Let's talk about an, a, a good movie 
that this movie could, isn't could have been like but sure wasn't okay and maybe maybe we can draw some parallels as we go through this movie it, did did anyone get like man this is like if someone made burn after reading with I finger paint was just about to say the words burn after reading yes because it's a it is a sort of cia based farce um but the difference is uh, the Coen brothers are quite possibly the greatest living filmmakers. <laughs> um, certainly my favorite. And so they're like way better at movies than this guy. Than this guy, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay, part of it too is that in Burn After Reading, nobody in the movie was aware of their role in the whole sure. thing. And then it looked at itself at the end and said, yeah, that was sure was dumb, wasn't it? Right. And this movie kind of like... like the people tried to get on board with with what was going on like i don't know it just it, it missed yeah, no, it missed the farce mark by like a a wide margin yeah a mile there's there is absolutely a comparison there to be made um it's now just, I just want to watch that movie right like thanks God. for reminding me of a better God. movie john you're welcome maybe oh. you can watch it uh, it's on know. Netflix, ain't it? It's okay, <laughs> calm down. Why don't ain't you it? why don't you go do that right now? Okay, I will. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for releasing me. <laughs> um no, that's ridiculous. I won't. Uh, so <laughs> okay. I will not. Don't be no, absurd, that's John. Ridiculous. We have to keep this tight. Olivia has to be out by Toit. six. Just Let's go. Toit. Do Does I, she really? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we are never going to make it. Oh, it's the lost cause. I panic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we pretty quickly get the idea that uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Daisy, is sort of from high society. And all of her family members are very accomplished. And all of her friends and all and of her exes are uh great we get a quick throwaway joik joik god i'm just gonna let you know what Never you know mind. what i think I'm, the word joik is funnier than joke so i'm gonna that makes that sense. Let's, let's just go with it um alan however is <laughs> just a lowly teacher Ugh, grammar the most teacher of the professions a teacher how dare he it's not a real job no who doesn't think that being a teacher is not a real job Sigourney Weaver, apparently. Clearly. Well, and her dad, for and sure. And her whole family, Well, apparently. we're about to get to her ding-dang dad. And his she, whole family. She basically tells she Alan, don't make me get daddy involved, with her exact words. Um, don't make me call daddy. Which is we, nev- never something you want to hear from your spouse. No. no. She says this. Let's not can we just talk on. about how she said that line while wearing a pink quilted robe with dog patches on it because uh, that was I, an amazing was that garment that, that she was wearing <laughs> yeah i have one just oh, yeah, like that right. uh, i don't silk that. silk pink quilted robe so uh we so she gets daddy involved she do she really done does uh so then we hard cut to Alan playing squash with a man that we can only assume is his father-in-law. A shining example of the terrible, stilted dialogue in this movie, which is the line that starts mm-hmm. this scene, which is, uh, it's 1959, Alan, a good time to be a white American male. Maybe oh, the God. last good time. Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh. Which, like, given that this 
This movie didn't come out in 1959. No, no, it came out Ugh. in 2000. It doesn't look like it, like, but it came was out in it 2000. Supposed to be a joke. It doesn't look like it. But it, it looks like yeah. It looks like 84. Yes. I was about to say, like, can we talk about the does. fact that this came out in 2000? But it looks like it's it, like it must have sat on the shelf for two or three or 15 to. years. It looks no. So it looks like one of the early 90s films that we've seen. <laughs> like it, it looked no, a lot yeah. like um, Deal of the Century or like you know one of the like in of that ilk yeah you're not wrong it wasn't it wasn't good it wasn't it wasn't good <laughs> it's okay olivia <laughs> are you crying it wasn't, it wasn't good <laughs> why did we make it olivia olivia it's okay it. i didn't want to watch it none of us wanted to watch it, it. <laughs> we all had in fact, to. i averted my eyes we did this for you because i was for you <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Let's all <laughs> let's all just take a second to recenter ourselves. Take a moment. Let's just think about some things. Um, so some eventually, Alan and this old man that we are assuming is his father-in-law. They are sitting in a sauna, and his the, the man tells him, "I've lined up interviews for you every day after school with a, just a whole bunch of well-loved company, U.S. Steel." Some kind of soup guys, I think there was. I don't remember all of Dodge them. Dodge that bullet with U.S. Steel, huh? Uh, boy, tell me about it. Um, and then just during all of this, Alan looks down at his towel that bears the name of the country club they are in, which ends in the letters CIA and says, I'm in the CIA. Uh, and so he gets away with this lie. Oh, because he says, he says the best cover for being in the CIA is seeming like you'd be horrible at being in the CIA. Ah. And the dad's like, yeah, okay, I buy that. The old double switch. Yeah. The old blind man's bluff. <sighs> um, eventually he uh, repeats this lie, which is what it is. It's a lie. It's a lie. He's in the CIA to his wife, and she's Bald very excited lie. about this. Um, and he tells and her tells not to tell the anyone. whole family. Uh, she okay, tells but she has a line. She has a line here that made me like actually made me chuckle out loud because she was like, "Up till now, I was just kind of hoping that you'd I don't know, die." die. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "There that were funny. like as much as I've hated on this movie, there were a couple of decent lines that did not make me laugh, but made me say that's a good joke." Um, which is about the best you could kind of hope for, honestly, <laughs> from a movie like this. I only had one. I wrote it down. I can't wait to to find out what it is. It's not that Um, exciting. (laughs) So long story short, we uh, go to a reception at the country club for a Russian ballet dancer. uh, Who Sigourney is all about. uh, Completely gaga for this guy. Um, And everyone is, apparently. Uh, She has told everyone at the country club that her husband is in the CIA. And everyone is just amazed by this. And, like, one of the other women there is like, hey, you want to go undercover with me sometime, huh? <laughs> um, and so after... She's talking about adultery. Oh, I was one... I thought she was also in the CIA. What it was. Thank oh. you for no. clarifying, John. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So, uh, eventually, Alan has just had enough, and he steps outside for a little fresh air. And who does he see but also the ballet dancer who needs a break, and they have a long talk about freedom and the arts and they sit on soggy somewhat semi-snowy ground yeah like they are that, in a sand trap in the middle of winter is just 
real gross. It's like, it's gonna ruin their slabs. They for sure are gonna be grassy like there, dirt no, covered butts. There's no way around it. They're gonna have grassy asses. In the words of Mary Berry, that's a soggy bottom. That's a that's soggy, a soggy bottom. bottom. It's a bad bake. Um, so they have a long conversation so we, that so is so supposed to seem like we're supposed to laugh at it because they're like not under like Alan is not understanding, but what it's not clever the dancers. Yeah, it's really not. So it just doesn't work, and it goes but nowhere. Yeah. And he's then, talking about like, oh, I'm not free because Russia. And he's like, oh, I'm not free because of my wife. Yeah, but um. <laughs> it's it's all very funny. <laughs> so funny. In un unbelievably funny, Just I might say. Shocking. So the next day, uh, we can assume, I guess, Alan is at his job at school and he's giving a driver's ed lesson and look who it is. It's the ballet dancer. He starts calling Jumper for some reason. Uh, it's also the friend from Princess Diaries. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The friend from Princess Diaries. <laughs> Who's driving the driver's end car. Yes. Um, oh, I enjoyed that. Because these movies didn't come out that far apart. No. Which is mind-blowing because they seem like <laughs> Like one was apart. shot using movie cameras and one was shot using a home camera from yeah. the 1996. One was shot using paintings. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, basically. <laughs> I think that... Um, they call him Jumper because, uh, as a ballet dancer, he he jumped. Yeah, no. And and at why. one point they were like, "Wow, that was a good jump," and he was like, "Jumper for the rest of the movie." Yeah, no. Like at some point for the rest of the movie, you mean the rest of his one scene? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like at some point in the country club, Alan was like, "No, I like your jumps," and just calls him Jumper forever. I guess because that's a thing. Anyway, Alan is giving a driver's ed lesson, and who should show up at the school but Jumper, the ballet dancer who wanted to see an American school and an American driver's ed lesson. And he gets in the car with Alan and the girl student who, uh, and, and once he gets in, he locks the door uh, so that his, from the back seat somehow, I guess, I don't know. Yep. So that his KGB handler can't get in. Um, and is basically telling Alan, Hey, you convinced me. I wanted to fact, I want to defect. You're CIA, so I'm going to defect to you. Help me get to freedom. And the KGB guy is trying to get in. Uh, and st- Alan tells the student to drive. Uh, so the KGB guy jumps on the hood, and they drive around the training course. Uh, and it's very funny. And basically, the rest of this movie <laughs> is Alan has to sort of protect this ballet dancer from KGB agents and help him uh, get to freedom. And they get into a bunch of hijinks along the way, right? The end. Nope. No, wrong. This plot line is completely dropped. This never comes up again, except for the fact that Alan goes home and his wife has gathered a bunch of family there, uh, who all want to say that they don't believe he's in the CIA. They think he's crazy. And he's like, no, no, I really actually am. I'm expecting a phone call. And right when he says phone call, the doorbell rings because that's the one of the two types of jokes that this movie has. <laughs> one of them is someone says something and then the opposite thing happens. Comedy. <laughs> um, that's really funny. Uh, I mean, so funny. Yes, like it can be, but you know. Not but it's every, sure not in this movie. Not like once every two to three minutes. <laughs> like I get that the basis of all comedy of subversion of uh, is subversion of expectations, but could we not be so literal all the time? Anyway, 
This movie cannot not be literal. No, it really can't. It's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the man from the CIA who comes by to talk to him, talk to Alan privately and say, stop telling people you're in the CIA. That's, That's definitely a, a crime, <laughs> which is true. Uh, and he should not be doing that. But wish uh, he would stop. Alan is like, hey, but I got old jumper to defect, right? And the CIA guy is like, you did? Well, that's clearly very important and definitely valuable to us as a nation that we got one ballet dancer. We're hiring you now. <laughs> um, yeah, basically. Yep. And so uh, the rest of the movie, it's sort of like a sort of like um, the first Kingsman movie where there's a lot of like training montages and about sort of this, you know, this guy who's really goofy and not equipped to be in the CIA, but he has to join the CIA and everyone's very serious, but he just keeps screwing things up. Uh, but at the end of the day, he gets the job done, right? That's what happens, yeah, right? Yeah, just like that. No, that's not at all what happens. We immediately jump to Cuba. Uh, <laughs> we we <laughs> miss just so much of the onboarding process. A lot of, uh. Uh, a lot of, Ripe, ripe fodder for jokes. A lot of comedic potential just flies out the window at several points during this movie. Um, we jump straight to Cuba. He gets off like a cool little seaplane that I thought was probably the best part of the movie was just seeing a plane that can land on water. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And so that was necessary. Yeah, he's talking to uh you know the guy who's supposed to like pick him up and show him the ropes and things like that and while they're talking the guy who's talking this is 1959 the guy who the cia guy he's talking to is like there's no political unrest everything's great here everything's fine nothing's gonna happen uh and as they are saying this a cuban man walks up behind them and asks if alan if he has any matches that he could borrow uh, and he does, and then the Cuban man uses the match that he's given to light a Molotov cocktail and throw it at an already burnt-out Volkswagen Beetle on an otherwise empty beach. And this is supposed to be political unrest, I guess? This is supposed to be proof that, oof, we're on the verge of war here. Well, I mean, sometimes people burn cars when they're happy. Yeah, but, like, yeah, no, the, you're... That's joking, I'm assuming, but, like, you're not wrong. People burn cars for, like, any number of reasons, especially in a situation like this where there's just a car in the middle of a beach. Hell, yeah, I'd go throw a Molotov cocktail at that. Don't I'm tell from me that I'm joking. People have... Oh. D- I've done weirder things for no reason. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, that's not a stretch. Anyway, um, this guy that he meets is played by Dennis Leary, uh, and we'll get more on him later, but he eventually takes him to meet the sort of uh, bureau chief, the sort of guy who's in charge of CIA operations in Cuba, played by the one and only Woody Allen. Wooden Allen. Boo! Boo. You may be wondering, how did Woody Allen get in this low-rent comedy? And that's because writer-slash-star-slash-director is married to a... Let's see. This is straight from Wikipedia. In 1995, McGrath married Jane Martin, a former assistant of Woody Allen's. Ooh. So that's he called in a favor. <laughs> Yikes! Um, Every time Woody Allen came on screen, I got really upset. Woody Allen just spends most of his time in this movie Woody Allening, just 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 getting very blustery and just being a very almost like cartoonish caricature of himself. And um, speaking in French. Yeah, he's obsessed with France in Cuba, which I think is could be a good joke if applied properly. 
because like he's he's in a like a bar and he's trying to speak French to the Cuban waiter, and I think that has comedic potential that is just sort of falls flat. Oh yeah, well I don't know. I thought it was funny when he ordered a glass of uh, red wine. Yeah, red wine, like French red wine, and they brought it to him with like a chunk of pineapple and a yeah. little like drink umbrella, umbrella like yeah. coming out was, of like yeah. wearing a beret and he has a little eiffel tower on his desk i think there's Gosh. a good joke there it just needed a little workshopping <laughs> but there's actually s- multiple times that like sigourney uses french later in the movie as well yeah in cuba which honestly i mean i <laughs> If I yeah. went to Cuba, I know some Spanish, but French, I know more French. So I would be like really struggling the whole time because. <laughs> I mean, S- Spanish like and French are very similar languages. You might be able to get around. Spanish mm. No. So amongst all his stammering and just general Woody Allening on, uh, we <laughs> sort of get the idea Hate that it. Alan is here so to find a mole so that Woody Allen can be... Agent X? Yes, Agent X is his name. Um, It's not his name. Well, it's what they call him. Uh, Basically, like, Woody Allen has been in the CIA for a long time, and he uh, basically is disgraced and maybe has PTSD, so they sent him to Cuba as almost a sort of punishment, basically just to put him where he can't do anything wrong. But now there's this Agent X messing everything up and making it harder for him to do what he needs to do so they need to find agent x so that he can go back to the united states um and then we cut to a scene basically uh we cut to a scene with dennis leary and alan just sort of walking outside somewhere and the very first line of this scene is dennis leary saying there is no agent x and i don't know about the two of you but the second he said there is no agent x i said oh so you're agent x (laughs) yeah 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 um you know, it's a little obvious, but spoiler alert, it's true. And basically the rest of the movie is just that, the plot line that was laid out by Woody Allen. Uh, Allen has to, Allen, the person, the character in the movie, not Woody Allen, Allen Quimp, has to figure out who Agent X is. And then big surprise, it turns out to be uh, Dennis Leary all along. And then the Woody Allen guy. gets to ho- go home. Uh, right? That's what happens, right? No. No, no. he grammars him into... Uh, yeah, into a confession. It, they a go. Confession, yeah. Watch. This is the only time that this grammar thing like pays off in any way. Sort of works. Comedy. Yeah. Yes. Um. So I I lied earlier when I said my favorite part of the movie was watching that seaplane land. It's actually Alan and Dennis are at like a kids baseball game, and thanks to uh, COVID nineteen, there has been no major league baseball yet this year, and hopefully won't be at all. Uh, but I really miss baseball, so I was like, ah, baseball. Now it's good and good. But we immediately cut to a two-shot of the two of them talking, and we see no more yeah. baseball, so I was no very baseball. disappointed. Long Bye story short, Dennis Leary uses, you know, uh, <laughs> just talks like a normal human does and doesn't use perfect grammar. <laughs> and every time he messes up, Woody, or not Woody, Alan Quimp corrects him, which of course leads to more mistakes and more corrections until eventually... Dennis Leary, in a span of about three or four minutes, confesses to being Agent X, surprising no one. Um, And so having found the mole, uh, he turns, he being uh, Quimp, turns Agent X into uh, his heads at the CIA. And nothing really comes of that. Although uh, (laughs) Agent X also reveals 
that basically the government is about to be overthrown. Oh, yeah. He talks, uh, says basically a lot of historically accurate things that we now know to be true that there's a bunch of communist revolutionaries led by Fidel Castro who are going to overthrow General Batista, and that's all 100% accurate. And Quimp is like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. And there's there's a lot of long-running jokes about people in the CIA hearing, basically insisting that there's nothing wrong in Cuba, that nothing, there's, a, there's no political unrest, there's no revolution. And that's all very funny to us in the future because we know they're wrong. And that's a good joke, right? No. Uh-huh. No. Uh, so anyway, after Dennis Leary is turned in, Woody Allen does not go back to the States even though he said that's what would happen. Uh, basically, again, nothing ever comes of this. There are no consequences to this nope. narrative happening. Um, so after after he's turned in uh, Agent X, we get another sort of MacGuffin man brought up by Woody Allen, who is Johnson. Muffin what? Muff- the Muffin Man? No, MacGuffin Man. Do you know the MacGuffin Man? I, I well. I don't. Sp- not to get too far ahead of myself, but yeah, I do. He's played by John Turturro, and I was like, "Oh, John Turturro, yes. this is a question always questionable when he shows up." Yeah, it could be good, like could "Oh Brother, good. Where Art Thou," or it could be bad, like really any bad. number of Transformers <laughs> movies, or or this movie, or this movie. John <laughs> Turturro is a real mixed bag. <laughs> uh, you never know what you're gonna get. He was not oh. in Forrest Gump, anyway. He was in The Big Lebowski. He was. He was. Uh, he's been in a lot of good movies and uh, some other ones too. But we're not here to talk about those, John. Are we not? No, and you're not, John. Oh. I wasn't talking to you. Wow. Um, we should do him next. Anyway. I was I, about to say. No, God, no. <laughs> but, For real oh, though? God. No, we're but not God. doing John He's been in Turturro. like a thousand movies. <laughs> look, look, he's been in <laughs> Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is like one of, definitely in my top 10, probably in my top five favorite movies of all time. We are never doing John Turturro. Guys, Cars 2. Mm, <laughs> Monkey Bone. No, no thanks. No. Can I just finish this? I guess. So Woody Allen is talking to Alan Quimp, and he calls Johnson a madman, like, twice, in what is an obvious nod. A madman! madman! It can madman. only be <laughs> a nod to an earlier Sigourney Weaver movie in this scene that she's not in. They wouldn't right. use that word if they didn't know. Follow the money. <laughs> we should rewatch that movie, by the way. Madman. Madman. Mad well, maybe after we've done all her other movies, we can revisit that. Okay. Um, so we get a little montage. Uh, Alan writes a letter to Daisy, aka Sigourney Weaver, talking about all the things that are going on. And this is where we get a real hard and fast montage of a character saying one thing and then the opposite thing happening. Cause Alan will say like, don't share this letter with anyone. And then Sigourney's like, Oh, I got a letter from Alan. Or he'll say like, uh-huh. I have an old matronly housemaid. And she's actually a very sexy bosomy housemaid. I think it's bosomlicious. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. sorry. It's not bosomy. Yes. Bosomy. Um, did you lose the train? <laughs> I completely did. Uh, and so... A, Bosom. Like, thank you, John. Oh, oh, I remember now. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Um, fuck, I genuinely <laughs> keep losing it. God damn it. Montage. Did you lose them in your bosom? Mon- uh, I wish. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes um, things, I would imagine things fall down there sometimes. So during this letter, he's writing to Daisy about how 
Uh, they are sort of getting things ready for her to move there with him. He is sort of his front is that he is the uh, CEO, I guess, of an American fruit farming company. Uh, but that's all fake. He has a radio show that's never really explained. It's really unclear what all he is supposed to be doing. Um, yeah. But while he's sort of, you know, at the end of this montage, his uh, sexy maid offers to teach him how to dance. And while they are dancing, he does a fun dip. And oh no, Sigourney Reaver happened to be arriving right then. <laughs> that's oh. awkward. Uh-huh. Uh, so she shows up and they... She mad. She mad. They fight. And the rest of the movie is just sort of them like having to go through this uh, very awkward situation, you know, trying to rehabilitate their relationship, right? No. So God, what are wrong. you doing? The explorer? Wrong. They fight for about 15 <laughs> seconds and then You're John Turturro jumps the through the window with a bandolier of bullets and a bandana around his head. Isn't Another the real reason why Sigourney comes to Cuba like she wasn't going to move there right she decides to go because she wants to write she's writing a book about her husband and his CIA-ness and she needs (laughs) you said anus (laughs) CIA-ness excellent <laughs> yeah, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> you sticking see? with the CIA? <laughs> Did you see I <laughs> Oh, I saw I It's all right. <laughs> anyway, and she she decides she needs like the first person perspective and not second hand. Right. No, that is true. I like. So she surprises him because he's like describing his life there like, oh, it's hard. It's some sacrificing for my country. To to answer your question, uh, as with the rest of this movie, it's unclear. Should I have a question? Um, <laughs> you don't, we don't really know. Uh, we can assume anything we want because the movie's not going to make it clear for us. It doesn't matter because here's John Turturro jumping through a window. He's yep. Johnson, the man that Alan was supposed to find. He's just here now. Uh, the revolution has started. Uh, Johnson's going crazy and he has with him uh, General Batista, the ousted leader of Cuba, played by Alan Cumming in some light brown face. Um, he is playing... How would you describe this general batista as portrayed by alan cumming a feat mm, is a word yeah, that I used. yeah 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 very he's sort of like a very decadent almost like a sort of picture of the sort of stereotypical capitalist pig you might say he's very fancy he wears an ascot in this opening scene and i'll be honest brown face aside i kind of liked it just because alan cumming is talented right kind of a, like effeminate as well yeah slightly like he gave off some slightly, like liberace yeah. kind of right like, like vibes um mm. so the plan is alan they they argue for a long time and you get actually some decent jokes with like the john Turturro wanting to prove how serious he is by like cutting his arm and then he offers to like electrocute himself to promise how to show how serious he is. And then Sigourney Weaver later is like, I'm serious. Do you want me to electrocute myself? She like matches that energy. That was really fun. Um, but what? Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I, oh, I, I this just... was another part of the movie where I was kind of like, Ahaha. yeah, right. Like, just, just, like, okay. So before we, before we get too far down this, like 
just shitting on it and picking it apart, do which you can it. absolutely do. Um, yeah, I I often shit and then pick it apart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yikes! Uh, so there's a there's something on like the the Wikipedia page for this movie that is a quote from someone from Variety that I thought was pretty accurate as far as my perception of this movie and it is from Lisa Nesselson of Variety called it consistently silly occasionally funny but mostly forced and that's kind of that's where I am and this was definitely a scene where I was like this is occasionally funny right I think that might be a tad generous yeah, uh, but I, I agree with the general sort of idea, the, the general message. I mean, silly isn't a good or bad thing on its own. Sure, it's occasionally funny. Yeah, Funny's no, a good thing, it's, but it's mostly of... it's it's forced. It's right. Not... In, yeah. in my notes, I called this a very wacky movie. Zany. Wacky. It is zany. It's 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 a number of things, John. It's you don't know where it's you know you don't know where it's coming until from until it's, it's too gonna, late, and then it's. Boom, banana phone, you know, like, wow, wow, what is that? Like, wow, shiny. Wow. Yep. It's like neon. Banana God, phone. Wow. Um, anyway, they, the four of them have a conversation that's very heated, very passionate, a lot going on. And eventually what they settle on is that uh, Daisy, a.k.a. Sigourney, and Batista will stay at the house. And Alan and Johnson will go kill Castro. And the rest of the movie is basically that. It's sort of, uh, we sort of get, you know, almost alternating scenes of the two of them going to assassinate Castro and then Sigourney Weaver and Alan coming back at the house, just having a good time talking about things, right? That's what happens, right? Yeah, and the rest of the movie is only 11 minutes long. And it's very enjoyable because half yep. of it is Alan Cumming and Sigourney Weaver, two very talented people, just having a yes. good time together, right? That's so what happens, good. right, Olivia? Unfortunately, no. No, that's not what happens. They impersonate at all. a band and ha- and oh, try we're to play a. Co- Olivia, we're not, we're not yet, even there we're yet. Miles, oh. we're like three or four abandoned plot lines it's away so from bad, that though. one. We're from we're from like we are ah, me taking like a thirty minute Twitter break away from that. seriously, <laughs> and then coming back into this movie like what happened? I honestly played a video game next to this movie the whole time because I couldn't. I just yeah, couldn't. No, I had wow, to take what a professional. Um, so we, the next scene, we start to go down the, uh, narrative rabbit hole that I just described where Alan and Johnson are going through the jungle and Alan decides, you know what, maybe this isn't a good idea. And he decides to give up. And so agent Johnson, of course, starts to cry, um, (laughs) until Alan agrees to help him. And then nobody wants to be my partner. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of emotions and it's kind of. It's kind of fun to watch. John Turturro can be can can be good at acting. <laughs> yeah, when he's when he's not overdoing it, I suppose. Oh, I think him overdoing it, but well, yeah, no, no, no. Like him screaming throughout a lot of the movie, I was kind of like, okay, bud, like tone it back just a little bit. A it's skosh. hard to understand. Hard to understand what you're saying. Sure, you know, like, but no, the the extremes of emotion, like he portrayed them. Sure super well um so immediately after agreeing to continue on this quest to kill castro they don't continue on the quest to go assassinate castro instead they go to talk to woody allen at a bar again who is not worried and there is no revolution despite the fact that there are 
there's an angry mob outside burning, burning Batista in effigy. effigy and carrying and signs. He, he in lights English. a cigarette off of it. Yeah, yep. it's all very, very funny, very so silly. Funny. Uh. He thinks the CIA <laughs> should try to kill Castro. <laughs> Uh, Alan goes home and starts packing his bags, but Sigourney's like, no, no, this is great for my book. We have to stay here. Uh, so Alan meets Johnson at a casino to try to convince them that they should not kill Castro. Instead, they should make him look like a doofus on television <coughs> and the people won't want to follow him. And Woody Allen oh, just God, sort of forgot about turns that. around. We don't know it's him. And it's like one of the other few good jokes in the movie where they're just, the two of them are talking and Woody Allen's like, yeah, that's a good idea. You want drugs? I got drugs. Uh, they have a gas maybe that will make him slur his speech. No, not that. Let's use LSD. And Woody Allen talks about all the times that he uses LSD. And so... <laughs> Which is morning, Daily. noon, and night. Yes. <laughs> like, <clears throat> they get on the phone and call Castro because they can do that apparently. Uh, I just want to say really quick that sure. having having a president or someone in power who makes a fool out of themselves on television does not mean that they're not the president anymore. No, but maybe, you know, since the people just did a revolution, they would be like, hey, that was fun. Let's do it again because this guy doesn't talk good sometimes. I'm just um, saying. Makes total sense. Yeah, no. You're completely right, John. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> so they say, yeah, let's do it. They call Castro... Fidel Castro is played by uh, an Australian man with a bad fake accent doing slightly worse brown face than Alan Cummings. Uh, sometimes he sounds like strong bad. That's how bad his accent is. I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I it's much worse, I think, than Alan Cummings. Like, yeah. He's yeah. wearing a lot of bronzer. Yeah. Sort of. So like he agrees to cash. Fidel Castro agrees to debate between himself and Alan Quimp, not Quimp, the CIA agent, but Quimp, the fruit Imposter? executive, basically. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't know that he's a CIA agent because that right. wouldn't make sense. And His cover. Yeah. The fictive. Basically. So right before the debate begins, we see someone drugging. We see two glasses of water and someone dumps a bunch of LSD in one of them. And I know what y'all are thinking. I don't know about y'all, but when I saw it, I immediately thought, well, Castro's not drinking that LSD, but Alan definitely is. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so the rest of the movie is basically just this televised debate and sort of the fallout therefrom. It's a very long, like, acid trip sort of scene. It gets a little experimental that I thought could have been fun at times, but it w- wasn't handled well. And eventually, like, it doesn't work, and Castro figures out something is going on and runs them all out of Cuba, right? That's what happens, right? No. No, no, that's not what happens at all. We get a little bit of Alan freaking out in a way that makes me think he's never tried LSD before. Um, I've never tried LSD I've never tried before. LSD before either, but I don't think it makes you act like the way he acted. I, I, I think also if, like... He, Maybe it would if you didn't know you had taken LSD. Yeah. Maybe. Like maybe then you would freak the hell out. But like <laughs> I don't if know. you did know that you took LSD. Olivia, you drop acid all the time. What did you think? <sighs> it was. No. What can I say? She's high as a kite right now. <laughs> Long story short, it doesn't work, and the movie just moves on like it yep. does with so many other things. So they have another plan. They're gonna all of all of these like failed things are also inter 
like the in-between scene uh-huh. is back at the hearing. Yeah. It's also worth noting that I don't know about all of these. I, like, I can't be 100% sure, and I didn't do any research between now and the movie. <laughs> Maybe I should have, but that's not important. Uh, some of these things are, sound like stories I've heard about ideas that the CIA actually had to get rid of Castro, like including, like, yeah, giving him a bunch of LSD and making him look stupid in public or, you know, killing him via a poisoned or exploding cigar. A poisoned or exploding cigar, an idea they got from Looney Tunes. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. It, it, it didn't work on Yosemite Sam. It didn't work on Fidel Castro. Uh, so the next idea they but tried... But it did <laughs> blow Daffy Duck's beak to the backside of his head. Well, unfortunately, Fidel Castro has no beak. Well, that's debatable. Mm, maybe he did before the cigar. It's 2020. <laughs> it's 2020. <laughs> Fidel Castro had a beak. Get over it. <laughs> and, uh, this is the hill I'm going to die. <laughs> facts are facts. <laughs> And it's my right I don't care to about die your feelings. Facts are actually beaks. John, so. I don't care about your feelings. <laughs> Fidel Castro had a beak. So the LSD uh, gambit having failed, uh, womp, womp. they decide to proceed to the next logical step, which is have Marilyn Monroe give Fidel Castro a bottle of shampoo that has uh, some sort of special liquid in it that'll make all his hair fall out. And Wait, that was supposed to be Marilyn Monroe? That was supposed Monroe? to be Marilyn Monroe. A sp- well, it's like a, basically a special friend of the president's hint, hint, wink, wink. Oh, it's definitely supposed to be gotcha. Marilyn Monroe. I see. Because um, it's, in, you know, the okay. early 60s now. Yeah, I got it. Um, and so that... The, the idea is he will use the shampoo and it'll sort of loosen up all his hair, but his hair won't fall out until the next time he is on TV giving a speech and it's windy. And then the first good breeze will just blow all of his hair right off his head. Uh, and then he won't be president anymore. And then he won't be president anymore because they will be like, because bald ah, people he's can't bald. be because because it's like it, 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 he's like Samson, yeah. right? Yes, like he, his he hair his strength is the source of his power. power. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't know Fidel Castro was a Nazarene. Um, no, of course this doesn't work out because uh oh, Sigourney Weaver got the uh, shampoo bottles mixed up and now she's bald. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was kind of funny too. Um, they think maybe they should poison Fidel Castro's cigars, but I guess that doesn't work because they never try it. I don't they know. They do. They, but we never see them try it. Basically, we don't see no. it fail. They just mention that they tried it, and then they have a box of cigars at the hearing meeting, and one of the senator like senators takes a couple cigars out of his pocket and puts them back in the box. We absolutely <laughs> see it fail because the Wiggles all pass out yep. after smoking cigars and oh do they oh yeah and, I paid that's more why and wooden allen has to put antidote into their wooden, ears wooden into allen? their ear holes yeah. yes so they decide okay so i guess i was confused and you were right john i guess i wasn't paying enough attention to this movie uh so they decide <laughs> you can be, you can forgiven be forgiven for, for that. the best way <laughs> to get these poisoned cigars to fidel castro is pose as roadies for the band that is coming to perform for Fidel Castro's birthday party. Now, I know what you're thinking. Is this the band that was playing the bad cover song over the opening credits and also happens to be Alan's favorite band? Yes, it is. It is Johnny and the Lifeguards, a fictitious sort of surf rock outfit that doesn't exist. 
I and so this scene. The rest of the movie is yeah, basically is them. Uh, they have to like pose as part of like the band's crew to get into the palace, and there's like a whole bunch of hijinks because they all it's get split up, then. and that's that's what happens, right? They also that's so what happens, right? Right, John? Thing, right? I already no. Yes, that is what <laughs> happens. That's actually the rest of the movie. Basically. Oh, I'm just so used to it being no. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> before this, though, they they tried. Just dripping poison into his drink from above them on the stairs, but they they? accidentally got it all over Mikhail Gorbachev's head. Oh, I missed that. And they put the weird splotchy birthmark on his head. His port wine stain that he's definitely had for his entire life. Which it turns out was... It turns out not a birthmark. It's a poison mark. I was wondering about that because later I think when Quimp is talking to President Kennedy at the end of the movie, he's like, and thanks for putting that mark on Gorbachev. We can follow him. We can spot him anywhere now. As if, like, they couldn't do that already. Yeah. Yeah, they're the CIA. Like. Right. <laughs> like, was Gorbachev just, like, was was he a leaf in the wind before that? Was he a shadow? <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, regardless. All we are is dust in the wind. Uh, Johnson and Allen and Woody Allen pose as roadies for the band. And for some, uh, Batista, the general who just got overthrown and is like the wo- most wanted man in the nation, poses Overth- as their chauffeur. Uh, because I think their logic is he knows the place better than everyone else, so he can like help him get in. And Sigourney Weaver is there for reasons that aren't really clear. For her book. For her book, because yeah. they totally let <laughs> random people go on CIA assassination <laughs> missions for their books. So they can write a tell-all. <laughs> How do you think we know about Zero Dark Thirty? Because <laughs> um, Sigourney, Sigourney, Weaver. Weaver. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver was there. She watched the movie and she told us about it. Yep. <laughs> oh! You okay, John? <laughs> Maybe. Long's... Uh, I... I I wasn't clear exactly what was happening, but at some point they do get split up. Sigourney Weaver and uh, Batista are just admiring this palace in what, honestly, I kind of enjoyed at times just because the two actors are very good actors and it seemed like they were actually having fun. Like they go into like the royal bedroom or whatever and Sigourney's like, can I see the bathroom? I love fixtures. (laughs) And just like, yeah, she's really into fixtures. That's a lot of fun. And they're just, they're having a good time. And whenever it's just the two of them, I'm like, I could watch this movie. Yeah. It was less Um, horrible. Unfortunately, that's not what happens because the band smokes the poison cigars and fall unconscious. So Woody Allen has to put the antidote into their ears using a dropper. Um, Unfortunately, while they're unconscious, someone, I think maybe even Castro himself says, Hey, it's showtime. And now here's the band. And so of course what they have to do is, Allen and Johnson and Woody Allen put on extra band uniforms that maybe they just had lying around and they go out and oh no it looks like they're gonna have to perform and Allen knows the words to the song they're playing but old McDonald it's a weird like yeah a weird rewrite of old McDonald that man I can't believe that would have been good even in the 60s um I have to say that the one funny thing from this scene and it mm-hmm. kills me to say it, but it was Wooden Allen um, not being able to put the saxophone on the on the hook and spending <laughs> yeah. like yeah. spending like five full minutes trying right. to, trying yes. to just he put drops the it at one point. That was horrible. Despite yeah. this movie's best efforts, 
they were able to hire some talented people who are actually good at comedy. And sometimes, sometimes that wins out, but not right. near enough. Right. Um, God, but okay. But Fidel Castro has met Alan. Yes, he has. So how does why? he not like, recognize Oh, yeah, you're in the spam. Like, oh, look. I've, right. Wait, I was also wondering, hey, how does like, and also they're doing a very bad job. So, so bad. how does, why doesn't Castro stand up and say, Hey, you are fakers. Seize them, basically. But after about a minute of stumbling through the song, the band wakes up, and instead of going out and playing and being like, "Oh, thanks for the opening joke, friends," they say, "Keep pretending to play." Because apparently, backstage they have extra instruments. (laughs) They brought they brought two drum sets to this show you see good god (laughs) they brought two saxophones so upset when this was happening god it was also horrible that like sigourney at some point just wanders her way onto onto the stage and picks up a trumpet and somehow a man who cannot see her (laughs) a man who cannot see her also picks up his trumpet and, and they start playing, playing at the same yeah. right time. And I'm, I was like, "This is a travesty." <laughs> it sounds. Like, I don't know. Maybe the two of you might know better than me, but it sounded like that trumpet solo involved a little bit of jazz mute, like some wah wahs, and there was definitely no mute in on either of them. I don't know. Th- that's not important. Also, John, it is important. John Turturro was on the drums playing with. Or, you know, pantomiming playing drums with one stick and one hand. Sure, yeah. Also, here's the thing, is that you cannot softly play the drums. Oh, but he's not not actually... Convincingly. He's not not hitting any drums, though. But also, you would see that no cymbals were moving. His sticks... Well, I mean, he's supposed to be faking. You did see the cymbals move. To be fair. Like, but like, yeah, when he's faking, the sticks never get within a foot of any skin or metal. Yeah, and... Alan is singing. Alan's singing with four feet behind the microphone. Very far away from the microphone and not with the band that is playing. Right. Him. And also kind of flat the whole time. Yeah. Not good. Well, if you're going to say it, a little pitchy. I want to, I just want to demonstrate. <laughs> Cause like when he's singing in the song, it's, it's, it sounds a bit like this. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. But based on where he was standing, it should sound a little something like this. Were you able to hear anything? I just yeah, a little, a little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, it, I will say Alan Cumming uh, doing the piano thing was fun. Even though at one point he was literally playing the piano with his ass, and it somehow was still making music that followed the normal progressions of you know. 1950s rock and roll sure yeah, which yeah, not sure. really something that would happen were you playing with your with your buttocks with your buttocks or your bosom or your bosoms or um, your anus <coughs> <laughs> anyway this goes on for entirely yeah, too, okay all right let's bring it together this goes on entirely too long until eventually at some point after sigourney and batista got separated Someone in Castro's guard um, recognize, like, recognized Batista, and they had to knock him out. He wakes up, comes to the concert, and sees 
Sigourney and Batista and is like, hey, they're not actually part of the band. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. What? And so everyone has to run. They are they just are running all over this place. Sigourney eventually gets captured. Alan is not too upset about this. Uh, we don't know what happens to Woody Allen or the band because they aren't important. But any anymore, they're done. Johnson and Quimp jump in a boat and set sail for Key West. And as they are sailing to Florida, sailing uh, from Florida towards Cuba is the actual Bay of Pigs invasion. Remember earlier in the movie when the CIA said that Quimp was the only person who actually knew what went wrong with the Bay of Pigs? Turns out his only involvement was they passed he, by it at some point. He sailed by it. <laughs> he actually has no idea other than there was a lot of guys in boats with guns. Yep. Uh, uh, Johnson joins the Bay of Pigs. We can assume he dies or is taken prisoner. Alan stays in the U.S. and gets to meet the world's worst JFK impersonator, uh, who is, you know, he's at the That's White who House. that was supposed to that be? That was supposed to be President Kennedy. Yes. Oh. Yeah, he, he opens the door. But he's like, I have a surprise here for you. It's in this door behind me. And he goes to open the door behind him. And it's just like this trio of young, like, like lovely young women. And they're like, Jack! Like, uh, he's like, oh, that's my, that's my 330. Uh, but he's his. But I'm right. His because no one's ever made a joke about that before. Sure. No one's ever made a joke about JFK, and and his and women, his lady types, his ladies. Um, so he's told that good news. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is back in America. We were gonna offer to pay ransom for her, but turns out the Cubans just gave her back because the prison guards rioted. And she's there at the White House, and Alan's like, uh-oh. Um, and so that kind of goes nowhere. We go back to the Senate hearing, and nothing really gets concluded other than we get a quick sort of recap about everyone's fate. Uh, I don't remember exactly what happened to everyone except for General Batista winds up as a lounge singer and what was yes. like probably the most entertaining scene in the movie just because we got to see Alan Cumming be entertaining for a little bit. He's like playing yes. diamonds are a girl's best friend and like uh, bantering for with some one, old lady, for one like old the lady. one old woman in the audience that was actually kind of entertaining. And I enjoyed that because of his incompetence. I guess they say, "Hey, this Allen guy who was not in the CIA right before this happened, we got to do something with him." he did us a, a favor but he's also a fuck up so let's send him to somewhere quiet where nothing will possibly go wrong ever certainly not in the future definitely not within the next few years and he lands in another seaplane in Vietnam, Vietnam. and uh -huh. then the uh -huh. movie's over mercifully <laughs> and that's it that's the movie Company Man yeah. I like to think that this movie really plays on a theme of, you know, imperialism um, as, okay. as it relates to, uh, like, the, the classist approach to grammar and how the proliferation of this classism throughout, uh, throughout the world is what causes so many, so many problems, places. Couldn't have said it better myself. Anyway. So her, uh, Sigourney's book at the end... Oh called, yeah. The title is Mrs. Spy. That's I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a joke. <laughs> there you go. Which I enjoyed that joke. Also, I just want to point out that um, no f bombs from Sigourney that I could tell in this movie. Scenario one. 
for the first movie and so, in and, 20 and John movies. Turturro does get one. Mm. So it's not that there wasn't one at all. So, but yeah, I feel like this is like one of the first So times. other than that, Olivia, what did you think of this movie? Oh, well, um, I didn't like it. Oh, uh, please be specific. Use perhaps <laughs> a number to illustrate your point. Well, my number is 22. All yeah, right. That's my number. How did you come to that? <coughs> Other numbers add up to it. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> proprietary patent pending Sigourney so, system. Yes, yeah. with that Sigourney system. The nice <laughs> plosive spin. <laughs> Thank you. I like uh, the alliteration. Obviously, Sigourney was great. Sure. 10 out of 10 for that. I did not get enough of her really in this. And, and maybe it was that. It was not only that I wanted more <coughs> of Sigourney. Yeah. It was that I wanted less of... Everyone else. <laughs> everyone else. Yeah. Mostly uh, m- mostly Woody Allen, Wooden Allen, and the main... Allen, the, the main guy. Just so annoying to me. And uh, lots of zeros. <laughs> Rewatchability? Yeah. Nah, yeah. Never again. Just nothing not good writing and no extra special sauce at all honestly rewatchability i would kind of put it in a negative if i could you can't okay that would throw everything off zero then that's not how the system works that'd be like (laughs) trying to divide by zero yeah yeah just the Uh, whole john the whole spreadsheet um, would implode What'd you give this movie, John? <sighs> I gave this movie a 34 because oh, it had to 34. be better than 1492 that's, Conquest of Paradise. That's which arbitrary, I gave a but continue. <laughs> Why? Um, that's not really arbitrary. Okay, so here's the thing: is while this movie was bad and had no redeeming qualities, mm-hmm. it wasn't three hours long. <laughs> Fair. So <laughs> there's that. Um, did you guys know that? Bill Murray was in this movie. Yeah. So on Wikipedia, he has a cameo and a deleted scene. And I can't help but wonder what that would have been and why they took it out. (laughs) Right. How bad, how like, did it really make this movie worse? (laughs) Yeah. Could they have had too long? Maybe if Woody Allen had not been in another scene and Mm -hmm. Bill Murray had, would it really? Yeah. I, I, I would have preferred that. I think personally i gave this movie a 34 and i think that i don't know probably the biggest point of departure besides like the i crammed four extra points into a category because i didn't want this movie to be worse than 1492 um I don't know. Every everybody else maybe? Like I thought mm-hmm. that I thought that like most of the most of the characters in this movie were individually entertaining to watch. Um I thought that they had like developed things that like were like it never really coalesced into a joke or anything that was funny, but sure. like the people like the people who are doing the performances were so capable of committing to like the shtick kind of that they were given yeah that they like made it watchable anyway right. so so that's that i this this movie like i don't know why i apparently i didn't hate it 
on as visceral a level as a lot of people do. Um, I just thought that there was nothing special at all about it, which is kind of bad for a movie, I guess. So yeah, end of end of end of analysis. Okay, your your turn, Ben. Thank Man. you. Thank you for asking. No one ever asks. Um, I gave this movie a thirty-four as well, but sort of for different reasons. I scored it in most categories a lot lower than you did, uh, and I also didn't have some arbitrary standard I was trying to meet. <clears throat> Uh, but I will say the one one place where I varied from y'all the most was I said that there was enough Sigourney in this movie. And I'm kind of surprised that the two of you felt that there was not enough Sigourney because she's in this movie a lot. But not in a meaningful way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I wanted it to be a little more substantive. And again, in comparison to the other characters, <laughs> it's just... Uh, fair. It was fun to watch her. And yeah, she's like, one of the few good parts of the movie exactly sure. so anytime she wasn't in it it was it was a drag all right like so it mm-hmm. was very noticeable when she wasn't Agreed. in it more so yeah. than when she was in it because it was much worse without her than it was better with her if that makes sense does that make sense no i don't understand anything <laughs> you just said okay so well, bye <laughs> if you add up all bye four bye. of our scores and divide them by three you get a total of 30 which makes puts this movie at number 23 out of the 25 we've watched. Uh, just two <laughs> points below Deal of the Century, which I feel like is a good place for and it to be. And one point yeah. above One Woman or Two. Yeah. Which, yeah, okay. It's a very... This movie has a lot in common with Deal of the Century, both in terms of themes and quality. <laughs> yep. I feel like the budget for Deal of the Century was probably a lot better. And Deal of the Century also didn't abandon 3,000 plot lines. <laughs> Good God. Good God. As someone uh, who like watches movies very like proactively and try to predict where everything's going, this was so infuriating. <laughs> to be like, oh, that's where they're... Nope, it's totally not. Oh, that never comes up again? That character is never seen again? Ugh, I hated this movie. Kind of makes me want to watch. It was bad. Watch Burn After Reading again. Yeah, let's let's all go watch Burn After that's Reading. The, a much that's the best movie. quality about this movie, actually. Is that it makes you think of a better movie? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to update Sigourney Reaper. She did not kill anyone in this movie, leaving her total body count across her filmography at 3,104,026. This has been Sigourney Reaper. And now, John and Olivia... As we find ourselves at the end of yet another episode, as we wrap mm. this one up, as mm. we put it to bed, mm. if people liked this episode, <sighs> if they like to hear Olivia <laughs> yawn, if Olivia didn't like this episode, if, if they like to hear Olivia squeak, if they like to hear Olivia make weird noises, how can they tell others about that? With what their mouths or their fingers. Okay. Yeah, go find somebody and tickle them and tell them about it. All right. Sure. (coughs) Don't do that. That's one that's one thing they could do. Uh, Any other calls to action we might could give to our listeners? You could use your mouth to tell someone. Sure. Or you could use your fingers to tell someone online. Sure. You can do that by by giving us where can we be found online? (laughs) I suppose. Whither and whence? You can you Quince. can give us a follow on the t- the tweeters uh, because we do not have a blue check mark, so no, so this is great. Um, uh, so yes, find us on Twitter yeah. at Dreamweaver Pod. Pod. You guys, 
come on. <laughs> you can, this is so important. You can find us. Twitter. You can find us on. And uh, Instagram. And They're Instagram. The also. <laughs> Guys. Well, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DreamweaverPod. Uh, or you can send us an email at DreamweaverPodcast at gmail.com. Where we are waiting with with open mouths <laughs> to. Drooling. To, to swallow you whole. Oh God. That's no. untenable. I don't like We're that. We're waiting with open hearts. With gaping to... maws. <laughs> <laughs> to... Yeah, yeah I, think we, I think that about sums it up. Yep. And <clears throat> we will sign you up for everything that you can possibly be subscribed we to. We will sell your information E-tigling. to so many Chinese and Russian companies yep. so fast you won't know what hit you. You will be <laughs> supporting so many princesses oh, from gosh. all over the world. Nigeria and others. <laughs> the Indiana princess. The I mean, I mean, there are princesses in like Missouri, right? Tatooine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gonna Alderaan save save Alderaan. Sure, uh, Gondor, uh, Skyrim, <laughs> Duckburg, whatever world uh, that original God. Donkey Kong Mario video game was from. Oh, that's just at a construction site. Narnia. Well, you can have a princess. All right. Uh, it's 2020. John, if people want to hear more of this specifically, <laughs> where can they find you online? If you I don't want know to why hear they more would, th- more but... of this, I don't want to meet you. <laughs> All right. Um, no, just kidding. If you want to hear more of this, then you should listen to other episodes of our podcast. If you want to hear more from Great, us way to promote the thing they are already listening to. <laughs> if you want to listen to more of us individually or get to know us in any kind of way... Um, don't. I don't suggest it. I can be followed on on the Twitter at GinderJohn. Yes. Ben, where where can people follow you? Well, you can follow me on Instagram at BenHebert.com. That's at B-E-N-H-E-B-E-R-T-D-O-T-C-O-M, where I promote not a lot right now, mostly, nope, nothing, because I don't have shows <laughs> oh, going wait, on. nothing. Uh, but eventually, hopefully, shows will be able to happen again, and I will have something worth promoting. Olivia, mm-hmm. where can people find you on the internet? When the interwebs Boy, I'm sorry I stumbled over that word. I guess I shouldn't be president of the country anymore. (laughs) I understand if you two want to overthrow me. I would like to do that. Thank God. Yeah, it's about time you gave us permission to overthrow you. Yeah, I love it when people give you permission to overthrow them. Yes, a consensual revolution. It's the only way that people get overthrown. I'm really begging someone to take this power away from me. Um, if you want to follow me for any reason, um, you can go to <laughs> hell. Evanston, Illinois. <laughs> you can go right go to on hell. a bike ride. On Instagram, I am at Olivia Beatty, and on Twitter, I am at Drum Beatty. And occasionally on Twitch, I am It's an Olive. Other times, it's a mystery. Oh. You nope. I'm always it's an olive on. You really need to just... unify your brand across channels, yeah. Olivia. <laughs> your SEO is. I'll get right on that. Low. Yeah, well. God, if I never by see it, by design, that I don't. Again. I don't actually want people to follow me. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else the two of you would like to speak of before we uh, jettison this podcast into the void? 
seriously do follow me on Twitter. I post my pottery pictures on there, and I'm pretty proud of that stuff. Yeah, I also I also put some of my 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 my, my, my plants on there. I have little spruce sprouts, and I like them a whole lot. Well, that's just delightful, Olivia. I want Netflix to have better soundtracks on their original movies. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> Oof. All right. All right. You know what? Go for it. This is your platform. I'm not going to deny you your voice. <laughs> That's all. That's, um, oh. it make, you know, it makes okay movies so much worse when there's a bad soundtrack involved. So all right. Netflix, do better. Great. Um, that said, on that note, this has been the Dreamweaver podcast. Come back next time when we will talk about a different, hopefully, better movie. Until then, though, wait. What what movie is it? It doesn't matter. Don't know. It's it uh, is. It does matter. It's called it Heartbreakers, it, a movie I've never heard of. Great. Anything to say about that movie? Maybe maybe someone will have heard about it. Great. Thanks for derailing the intro. My name's Ben A. Bear. It's an outro. Thanks for derailing the outro. My name's Ben A. Bear. I'm Olivia Beatty. And I'm John Ginder. And we're all goofballs. Good night, shitheads. Good night. And that's a show. been like um like in oceans 11 uh with what's freaking what's his name carl reiner <sighs> nope all right uh, uh, so no no, no. george clooney speaking the of like, uh jet lee speaking of good movies don Cheadle. <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> who i'm talking about i don't know who you're talking brad, about brad brad Pitt. brad, brad, brad. <laughs> god damn it <laughs> one half of brangelina <laughs>